0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Kokoro Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have Adam Wolf. He is a physical therapist based out of Chicago, Illinois. He just released his new book, Foundations of Movement, a Brain-Based Musculoskeletal Approach. I was happy to have this guy on. We're gonna jump right into this conversation, but first a message from Dr. Kelly Seren.
1: For your listeners, we have created it's the ReadyState.com slash Movement. We've got we've got something for you. you know, we have if you just want a two-week on-ramp crash course, full access to everything, we'll give that to you for two weeks. Come come see how we're solving the problems. Take, steal what you like, you know, leave the rest behind, you know, keep speaking your own language.
0: All right, my friends, there you have it. Please take advantage of that two-week offer from the readystate.com. I'm just going to get this party started with Adam Wolf. Get your notepads ready because here we go. You so much for taking the time to be on the podcast, my friend.
1: Jesse, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Thank you for having me again. It's a while ago I did the first one.
0: Absolutely, just over two years, I think. So, um, and since then, you've written a new book. And as I was just telling you while we were off air, I I read a majority of it and it's really, really good. And I think you, I think it's, um, I think my understanding of. What you've been talking about since I've had uh, two and a half years of education since then has really helped me um, understand the book a lot more. Um, but God, it was—it's really good. And I, we got a lot to cover. You covered a lot of stuff in that book, man.
1: I do. Thank you. Yeah, it was—it uh, was a lot of stuff, and it is a lot of stuff. And the way that I look at it is one of my talents. After having you know taken all those personality tests and whatnot, but uh, include bringing things together and people together. And you need to know this person or just ideas. And so I think one of my skills that I've consciously developed over a number of years now is just the ability to sort of synthesize information. Yeah. And it's sort of just, it's, it's turned into the way that I study. And and, and this book is kind of what that is. I, 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 it is just my it started in the book was written on what I call my fundamentals of intervention. Yeah. So hierarchically, anybody that comes in that I'm going to work with, uh, that it just gives me a thought process that I can stick to across the board. It's kind of went from there. It took about three, all in in probably three and a half years. Uh, I started actually writing on the chapter that I left out of my first book because yeah. I, didn't, I didn't kind of have the courage to put it in, but that was on pain and I put it down for a year as I was kind of learning more and struggling with some of my own personal things, uh, depression and anxiety, and, which actually I write about in the book. And that was the impetus to – the book is what I call neuro-edited by a yeah. friend and colleague, Dr. Mike Drzewicki. And Mike was the one that treated me for my issues. And from there, uh, it just sort of made sense and found a place for him to kind of edit and add his, his voice into sort of the brain uh, cause he's, that's where his really expertise lies. We, we have a lot of overlap and I'm fortunate that he's in the same town as I am. And, and so we hang out a lot. And, uh, you know, the way that we've surmised it is I have a musculoskeletal twist on a brain-based approach and he has a, uh, a brain-based approach on a musculoskeletal twist, right? So he, yeah. he comes at it from the brain and adding a little the mechanics and I come at it from mechanics and adding some of the brain. So,
0: yeah, that's really good. And, um, so, what I like there is integration. And so what I've discovered over the last couple of years, because um, since the last time I talked to you, um, my grandmother passed away and I received an inheritance. And after um, a lot of different conversations with my wife over the course of a couple of months, we just decided that I should use that inheritance to um, benefit my business. So then I just went on an education rampage, just learning from anybody and everybody Uh, just because i had the funds to do so and um so i call it being blessed with the fuck it gene so whenever i learn something i'm like fuck it i'll try it and and i just start trying and if i fail then i have this base that i can always go back to to make a difference in that person and so that's how i begin to integrate all the stuff and see what works and what doesn't with specific people and you start to kind of develop these patterns of understanding based off of the way that uh, the metaphors that people use when they come in and tell you what's going on and so um, that's kind of what I appreciated about your book is early on you said um, something along the lines of you have to have a base of understanding and then you kind of branch out from there and then everything kind of comes back to that.
1: Yeah, I I agree, and I think you said that really well, in that uh, taking a lot of education and learning a lot, I think, is fantastic, and everybody should be lifelong learners, and I think what I recommend for people, and what you're referring to in the book, is this idea of, like, I'm fortunate to teach a lot uh, for Rock Tape and on my own, and I've done it for a number of years, and my observations, having been able to teach a lot, is that I see a lot of clinicians or, or movement professionals that aren't anchored into any one thought process. And what happens is, is they steal a little from this, they take a little from that, and they only take up like a seven or eight or a nine level course, they take the first one or two or three. And so what happens is they never get a firm thought process in any of it. And I think one needs a firm thought process and kind of solid foundation to be able to know to 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 understand it well enough that you can branch off of it and know when you're branching off of it and see like whichever because every discipline is great and which you know any thought process is great but every thought process inherently has some things that uh let's say holes in it which Mm -hmm. you can go and fill in through some of these other thought processes so so yeah in fact i heard that the person that i heard that idea from it started resonating with me you're actually wearing his shirt right now i believe and i think i heard andreo spina Say that first was uh you know get get good in one foundation whatever you know one one system whatever system that is and then go from there and for me it happens to be applied functional science is what I'm firmly rooted in yeah. uh, from Gary Gray and three dimensional movement and and from there is uh where where I where I build from
0: right and so that's why I got you on the podcast initially is because I had. Um, just gotten out of massage school at that point, And I was starting to listen to all these different podcasts and start following all these different people and um, came across Gary Gray and his applied functional science and the concept of functional muscle function. And so that's mm-hmm. why I started the podcast is, well, there's this stuff that I don't understand. So I'm going to get people that understand it a lot better than me and have them teach me what that means so that I can sure spread it to other people right and so um it's uh yes that it's perfect and so for for me my base is muscle testing and i thought it was really interesting that you had that in your book and so um and most specifically the the dogmatic kind of ideas behind it in certain groups and i think that's interesting and i wanted to kind of touch on Uh, on that topic a little bit with you?
1: Yeah, I think muscle testing is a really fascinating topic. And it's something that I was fortunate to come to fairly early on in my career that I kind of dove in, I don't know, seven years ago, probably a little more than that. And from there, 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 there's a lot of dogma around everything, I think. And so just trying to like siphon through What's helped me and I think that some of the knock against it particularly as a physical therapist in the physical therapy world Let's say is that there's it's there isn't a lot of great research to back up. Why I would muscle test and It's hard to reproduce and there's a lot of subjectivity to it And I I agree with that yeah. and at the same time I think that it, it can help to direct the course of treatment in a way that just makes things a little quicker and yeah. When you're doing it in the right way, and we are anchoring the consistencies I think my experience is that people feel the difference between that stuff a lot quicker than if I just stay with objectivity and, 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 you know, quote unquote. And so for me, muscle testing has sort of filled that role about, you know, the question that i thought about early on and I still do is, is the work, is the work I'm doing working or not? Yeah. And how do we have that idea as to if it is or not? And then on top of that, I couldn't, I couldn't understand why two people, would come in with exactly the same presentation uh, and symptoms and they w- would do exactly the same treatment and one person would feel great and the other person would feel horrible. Right. And, and that didn't make any sense to me until I started understanding motor control and getting into these concepts of uh, of applying motor control, which is the way that I call it, What's really what I call muscle testing is applying these principles of motor control. We right. can anchor to a lot of consistencies within the thought processes of motor control and what I'll call consistencies of people that have pain. A lot of times is really what it comes down to. And so to have an idea of that, of those consistencies and start to, for me, it allows more specificity in intervention or in approach with somebody. And the way that I've heard it from a friend and colleague, uh, Dr. David Traster is that your muscles and glands are a direct representation of the nervous system. Right. Which for me, when I heard that, that was like, wow, that kind of, is fascinating to me when you think about it compared to a, a heart or, or lungs or something like that, or organs. And you're seeing, um, if you cut that out, it has an inherent and intrinsic nervous system in that when you cut it out, cut the heart out and put it in a dish, it's going to beat. It's going to have motility to it. And from there, the motility, so there's an intrinsic nervous system. The, the muscle and gland there isn't. is a direct representation of your nervous system. And so you, with that thought process and an, an understanding of motor control, we can start to apply these to understand if the, or best, it's really our best guess, but best yeah. guess if a, if a region is is too connected or not connected enough to keep it simple understanding that when people have pain there's going to be a a consistency as i said one of those consistencies is that we know and we we can anchor to what research says on it is that pains produce inhibitions or a delay a latency in the nervous system and from there well if something's going to be inhibited something needs to inhibit it and then we can sort of we can go from there so i'm kind of rambling right here i'll 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 shut up for a second but (laughs) No. It's, it's a valuable tool for me. It's not something that I do on everyone either, Jesse, because yeah. some people like don't buy into it and there's belief systems in, that are at play here. And if you don't believe it or it's not, or you're, you're not picking up what I'm looking for because you can't, then I'm not going to muscle test you. And there's a, many other things that I can do that will still help me to get, you know, more or less the same results. So.
0: Right. Right. And so that's like what you said, the base, right? So that's everything is just a tool. And if you have a base understanding of what you're trying to accomplish, then There's different ways to accomplish that. And I think that's where um, a lot of practitioners, especially in the massage therapy profession, tend to kind of get lost in the weeds and try stuff out. Well, it doesn't work and I don't understand it. So I'm just going to give up on that. And, you know, so that's where I just keep trying and keep trying. And and the, the more understanding I get and, the more learning that I do, it's all based around the nervous system, right? So like, does your brain connect with this? Yes or no. And so yes that's and what I started to understand with like the rock tape education is we're just influencing the nervous system. And that was uh, when the first rock blades course came out that I took in, um, God damn, back in 2016, I think, um, they said that we're not working with muscles. We're working with the nervous system. And that was one of those things where I was just driving home from Tucson, which is a four hour drive, trying to wrap my head around this new understanding. What does that mean? What is this person saying to me? And so then, you know, just like you alluded to earlier, you're testing the nervous system. Does your brain understand what this quadratus lumborum is supposed to be doing right now? Because if it doesn't, then we need to figure out, how to get that understanding in there because that's likely the source of your pain. And then, you know, you mentioned, uh, Thomas Wells in the book, like I took mm-hmm. uh, his course as well. And then when I really started to understand like, what's really going on is with uh, Joseph Schwartz. And when I took yeah. his uh, dynamic neuromuscular assessment course, and I was just blown away that you could test the current state of that person's nervous system, which is also really important. Are they chronically stressed out? Yes or no. And so how do we calm them down? How do we get them to a point where they are actually muscle testing correctly? Because that was uh, one thing in one of those other modalities where, you know, oh, well, this is just facilitated. Is it or are they just
1: right. and, what, and what does that really mean? And and then right. what are the other really yeah, I I totally agree. And and I think you know you alluded to something that you talked about massage therapist early on, and that uh they, they try it, it doesn't work, and then they go and I think that's across the board with any right any movement professional, but I think that the, the massage therapist that I've come across that and I'm sure you'll agree that, that are the most successful aren't only doing massage passively, right. They're also doing more, they're, they're integrating movement of some sort right. into their practice. And I think that that's what's so important because as you said in the rock tape, uh, edu- you know, talk about the rock tape education is that it is influenced by the nervous system. And the way that I think about it is that we're really just trying to open up a neurological window. If we think about pain as an output, well, then for me, the question becomes, which input do we, you know, change the input. Right, And then from there, the question becomes, which input do we change? Because right. there's so many different inputs that we can change and not that one is right or wrong, but to try to, what I say is like best guess it, right. I think is a great approach. And I think along those lines, one of the things that Rock Tape has really hammered home for me, not only in like, you know, I, I'm fortunate to teach for them, I believe for six, seven years now, I think this is my finishing my sixth season here, but, but I, I'm really impressed with the way that Rock Tape, and it's helped me to hone my, Thought process of this idea of testing and retesting. Right. And I've said it differently throughout my career, but I'm always really fascinated. And I remember being a younger movement professional and watching an experienced person work with somebody. And I was always fascinated that that experienced per person could have somebody come into them that they've never seen before, quickly find something to anchor to, do something, retest it, and it's better. And that always really fascinated me. And so for me, that idea of test and retest, I think is so important. And to say that a little differently and to tie it to, you know, applied functional science and Gary Gray's thought process is uh, a driver and the idea of creating a reaction. And if you know then what what should happen when you drive a system or when you put an input into the system, you can see if that input, if that output is what you'd expect it to be. And if it's not what you'd expect it to be, well, then we need to ask more questions and dive down that hole. And if it is, then we can sort of, move on and go from there and so that's that understanding the fascinating thing for me is understanding anatomy anatomy is anatomy whether it's three-dimensional joint mechanic anatomy or whether it's neuroanatomy and understanding these polysynaptic pathways here if you know the anatomy you can see if what is happening is happening or not and from a nervous system that gets really interesting because all you're looking at is the output that you put an input in, if I will look at your eyes move, and I see them bump when they should be smooth, I'm saying, oh, that's the output. But that it, the reason they're bumping could be five, six, eight, ten 10 different reasons. And that's where understanding this idea of integration, I think becomes so important, because it is integrated, and you can't separate out biopsychosocial mind body spirit you can't separate out frontal lobe from parietal from temporal you can't separate out vestibular from proprioceptive from visual and so what that means is you need to summate your assessments you need to look at it and have a thorough understanding to be able to drive the systems in various ways and see what the output is and based on this this and this and this and this and this that are all looking at the system differently and emphasizing different parts of this the integrated whole you can gain an idea as to where you might want to drive input and that's really what i think it becomes is where do we want to drive input and, and recognizing that the part of the you know another consistency of pain if you have pain you're not going to have as much representation in your brain to that painful region so then of course we need to drive that input but let's try to make it as specific as possible and so yeah i think that just understanding what should happen to see if it happens or not is such a powerful point
0: right and i think that's where you know like you, like we keep alluding to that base knowledge is incredibly important, but you also need to have a myriad of different techniques to fall back on when that one thing that you were positive was going to work doesn't work. Right. So, right. Because that, you know, so um, when I was talking to uh, Dr. Campione on the Rock Tape podcast, that's that's how I figured out that a lot of my progress and my practice has been driven by frustration. Well oh, yeah, like, socially, oh, I still right? feel like shit and you're like god damn it why didn't that work and yeah. then the more knowledge that you have the more you could be like okay well let's try this then because you know um you know one of my favorite quotes from um I think it is Gary Gray or maybe Gary Ward um is you know as soon as somebody's feet hit the ground everything changes is that Gary? Yeah that's
1: yeah, Gary Gray. Gary mm-hmm. wrote it a- he used to teach a course a bunch of years ago called when the foot hits the ground, everything changes that he's sold yeah. and it's still being taught. Right. Yeah. That's very great. And it's so true is that, you know, that thorough understanding of what needs to happen. I think that that's, that's what's so important. And then, you know, a couple things come to mind based on that is uh, one is that just the, the, necessi- the necessity of continuing to learn and study yeah. and even like a superficial understanding of some of these pieces, particularly with a non-clinical population, you're working with somebody that's not busy, that's not, concussed or something like that. Very right. superficial understandings can still go a long way. Right. Recognizing that the way that you're applying it is superficial right. and, and, and and recognizing that when it doesn't work, you're probably missing a piece or pieces that, you know, for me, that's very motivating to continue to dive into the the material and to understand it a little bit more because of even, even like what, what I still consider to be compared to the friends and the people that I associate with, like a really rudimentary knowledge of like neurology, right? Compared to some of my friends and things like that. But even my rudimentary knowledge of this information, keeping it most of the time you don't need to get so deep into it. Like it really has such a powerful difference. Mm -hmm. And for me, just understanding, I'm really fascinated with this idea of what I call subclinical integration dysfunction. Meaning like where is there an opportunity to improve the input? What what system? Is it do we need to drive proprioception? Do we need to drive vestibular do we need to drive ocular do we right. need to drive a specific part of the brain recognizing that if you know those are all reactions proprioceptive vestibular ocular and they come into the brain in the same place in the brainstem and if that there is these are all reactions that should occur and that if these reactions aren't occurring or they're not your brain's not giving your, your brain's not getting the same information from these three systems then cognition needs to be used to balance out these reactions and that can be seen in movement, actually, in in gait. And it can be seen when you you understand and you're suspecting it, well, what happens if you have somebody do a task as they're doing something, a little dual task, do something cognitive as I'm having you react in some way and does your form break down? And if it does, maybe then, These are some things that we need to start focusing as balancing those reactions. And so there for me is, again, the value of neurology and understanding neurology Mm -hmm. and understanding what I'll call like bedside neurological exams and being able to anchor to just consistent neurological, quote unquote, tests that that are quite simple, like rapid alternating movement, diadocokinesia, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Romber test, tandem romber understanding visual exams, just even like superficial basic gaze stability mechanisms that your eyes, when your feet are still, our feet are together, and you're looking at something, your eyes, you should stay still, you shouldn't be wobbling all over the place. But if you're wobbling all over the place, you you know, if your eyes can't fixate, your body's going to move on your eyes. And so even right there, like, the super like basic level, you can just right there drive an eye exercise, and then the question for me, which again makes it exciting, is: Do I want to add that eye exercise as they're doing musculoskeletal work? Maybe on top of it, like kind of layer it. Do I want to do the musculoskeletal work and then their active recovery is their eye exercise or their whatever? And so in between their sets, do I want to only do their eye exercises, take a rest, do it again, take a rest, do it, you know? So based on the threshold and where you're, who you're working with. I think those are where the variabilities come into play.
0: Yeah, so I think because um, you can go deep anywhere, right? So um, do you have I, to? Right, yeah. and so what I what I like my basic thing is, you know, just the nervous system, like we've been saying. So why is this person under threat? And then if we can start peeling that out and vetting it out and figuring out why that person's under threat, then we can start to figure out why that person's in pain and um, you know, the, the neurology stuff, like, so right when the pandemic started, Z health released this, Hey, you can take this free neuro fundamentals course. So I dove right. into that and was just like, Holy shit. And then, yeah. you know, just the magic of social media. I'm just like, well, I need to get there. Dr. Eric Cobb on here so I can talk to him about stuff. He's and a then, very
1: smart guy. I had the opportunity to meet him, uh, in, at the rock tape meeting in Mexico. In fact, my wife and I had dinner with Eric and and his lady there. It was. Uh, we had a lot of fun. He's a super yeah. smart guy. Yeah, and he's and, very uh,
0: humble and just, you know, I, like, unfortunately, like, dove into that course and probably was four hours in, and then went to interview him, and then we were on there for like an hour and a half, and he's like, "Do you have any questions for me?" And I'm like, "I don't think my brain can handle any more." So really many well. questions. You <laughs> like, tell me what the questions <laughs> are. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know what to talk about like you know it's because then he goes into like the first thing i asked him was a jaw position um Mm -hmm. so when i first talked to you um i was still coaching at a crossfit gym which is just Mm -hmm. you know this wondrous place of just figuring out human body and and their movement and how it pertains to their current state of their nervous system because people come in and they're just like god i'm just feel like shit i'm moving like shit well, how was your day? Oh, it was terrible. I had my boss yell at me and, you know, just yelled at me for like an hour straight. And I didn't have a chance to eat lunch because then I was trying to make up all the work that I, and then I'm just dehydrated. And I'm like, yeah, you're not going to work out well at all, right? Like, because right. you're missing all of these components that you need to perform and just but then going back to what I was talking about with like the job position, why do certain athletes lift with their mouth open and some with their mouth closed? Like where their eye positions, all that stuff—it all matters because, like you said, it all goes back to the same part of the brainstem. And then right. so my brain starts wrapping around that. And I'm like, oh, okay. So why are people clenching their teeth in order to stabilize their core? Because that's a huge thing. And then, you know, with uh, with Joseph Schwartz, what I learned from him is that could be. limbic association based off of an injury that they had a long time ago and then their startle response with their diaphragm sucking all that air in like whenever they get injured then that caused a limbic response to the diaphragm which is why they're not stabilizing well which is why they're having to clean and so it's just this big huge thing and if you just release it then that could cause more threat and so it's a it's a it's a whole process and it's just that's what makes me love this job so much is because each day is like this new investigative experience into this new person.
1: Well, the body is like an endless source of study. That's for sure. And and I agree. Like, I think the, uh, you know, job position is is related to vestibular function as well. And, and, and I think about, you know, you've brought like CrossFit and looking at different places. Well, that makes total sense when we think about, you know, vestibular ocular, if I'm looking straight ahead and I start falling, Uh, if I start falling forward, I'm going to engage my posterior chain to help to engage. So by looking up, if I'm looking straight ahead and I'm falling forward, my eyes go up relative to the system. So, so I could create, I could stimulate my posterior chain through some of these vestibulospinal responses and things like that by looking up and that's going to stimulate it. So you start just to kind of like follow that thought process. And yeah, I think Eric, like my opportunity to speak with Dr. Cobb was, uh, very validating. I hadn't really been familiar with him. I came into, um, neurology, applied neurology more through the Carrick Institute, so curiously. And, and, and so when I met, I've heard of Z Health, I met Dr. Cobb and it was very validating for me to talk to him and kind of share with him some of my thought process and, and recognize that I was sort of on the right path. And, uh, you know, all the credit to him. I think he does a great job of, of bringing and integrating things together. It's funny because I did a, uh, Dr. Cobb wrote an endorsement for the book yeah. and, and what's funny is that I did a and I haven't taken I've taken my wife's taken um the essentials and I've taken three hours of it I just haven't had the time as I'm doing all this stuff I, I taught a, a course a, a webinar not too long ago and and one of the comments was you need to give credit to Dr. Cobb and I'm saying well I haven't taken you know neurology, neurology you know like it's right. just how you apply it and I'd like all the credit to him, but none of my information is coming straight from him. And when I do, I, you know, I'm actually hyper vigilant about giving everyone credit, but, uh, you know, to round it out. Yeah. I think neurology is amazing. And I think it really ties together these people that, that aren't getting better. It makes it, it makes it exciting for me, uh, to, to be able to, um, continue to learn and have a source of study, as you said.
0: Right. And speaking on, uh, giving credit you really do a good job of that which is kind of overwhelming to be honest in all your books because then my book list goes from like 10 to like 30 by the time (laughs) i'm done reading your books i'm like oh great so you know but it's uh well i mean
1: that's like that's very purposeful and i think the only way i don't consider myself an original thinker by any means right and i think the only way that i've been able to reconcile teaching is to give credit because i think all i'm doing is like showing you maybe how i'm putting it together Uh, this other information and i think you know i talk i I think about the there's a great quote by mark twain and it's basically like nothing's original and it's a spin of your kaleidoscope and so i i'm hyper vigilant about giving everyone credit at the end of every book you know it's referenced very well i believe and at the end of every chapter there's an additional readings list uh, that includes uh, books and things to watch and articles to read and things like that so yeah it's important to me
0: yeah as we alluded to earlier that's part of the struggle with a lot of practitioners is being able to integrate all this information because like we were also alluding to earlier there's so much information out there especially now where we have this electronic age where you can literally look up anything and buy any book you want you know so like if you're if i listen to a podcast where you're talking about a book i'm like shit and then i get on amazon and put it on my list you know what i mean and it's just and then the next thing you know you have six books arrive at your house and you're like okay i got to a lot of work to do you know
1: well you know what i actually i prefer like when i'm studying something and i'm trying to learn on a subject i don't like to just read one subject i mean that's one of the things i talk about in the book is like my process of learning and i'll read three or four books on one topic. Right. And then I like to take notes and I, I highlight and then I take those highlights and I put it into a document. And then I and then I give credit and all of a sudden I've got a really nice outline of like thought processes for me. So right. I, I'm the same way. I, I like to read. I'm always like pausing things and going by the book right then. And right. yeah, and it's it, it's important.
0: It's it is. And it's and it all comes down to movement like we've been talking about. And so that's what I keep trying to Um, in part on the massage therapist profession as much as I can, like, you know, when people are in pain, they're not lying on a table for the most part. You know, they're in pain of, well, I bent down to pick up my sock or it hurts when I step down a step or when I step up a step or when I get out of my car. Okay, cool. So, you know, like one of my friends who has been doing CrossFit for over a decade, she's just like, she's built like a tree. And I remember uh, teaching her um, a self-defense class, and I said, "Okay, don't move." And you know, I'm a 200-pound man at that point, and I could not move her. And then she comes into my office. And she said, "Well, I threw my back out getting out of my car." And I'm like, "Okay, so that wasn't really a thing because you're right. this incredibly strong and robust human being. So we need to figure out what actually happened. You know what I mean? Because you 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 don't just deadlift over 300 pounds for a woman and then get out of your car no, and hurt car. your back. You know?
1: Yeah, exactly." So then, that brings up for me like what strength is and what intrinsic strength is, and and reactive strength rather than like cognitive strength, almost as a way to think about it. And that's something I've been thinking about as well. Is like these people with spine pain, you know, what is intrinsic strength? For me, more and more, I start thinking about, or you know, what is core strength? And I start thinking about intrinsic strength around any joint, right? If we think about like. Intrinsic and extrinsic muscles and for me intrinsic muscles are the one joint muscles should be forced producers yep. Versus two joint multiple joint muscles which are force reducers, but typically when there's you know, pain around a joint what you'll find is that the force producers these ice these uh, uh, Intrinsic muscles aren't have an opportunity for improvement or they could be stronger and right. to help to stabilize like the specific specificity of the small movement and 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 so more and more, I find that like my strengthening of regions is more of an intrinsic strength. And then from a spinal level, it's more of that reactive strength and trying to right. take advantage of like, you know, vestibular cerebellar reflexes and vestibular spinal reflexes and spinal cerebellar reflexes and all these kind of things where you can kind of create reactions based on movements or based on controlling places. And that's what I think about more and more. It's like, you know, the, the intrinsic strengthening that I do or the core strengthening that I do really, it's less around the spine more and more. And it's more has to do with like costal pelvic stability and then scapular stability and cervical, you know, relationships as you're going through movement. And then when it's a spine relationship that I'm trying to strengthen, I'm driving vestibular spinal reflexes a lot. And that's where I think the opportunity for, for driving these other systems come into play. If somebody has chronic pain or they have all one sided pain or pain in both joints on both sides of their body, like all just these things that you'll see all the time, these people that always have to do their exercises Otherwise their pain comes back. Like those are people that are not integrating and that have this opportunity or discrepancy between the systems. And so just understanding that concept that if you're driving musculoskeletally, if you're just thinking movement based, great. But when it's not getting better, you know, maybe there's these other systems, maybe that person that has a tight neck, it's really a vestibular dominance where they feel just better when they're in their right canals a little bit. So they're over here. And as you alluded to earlier, maybe then you go and do the soft tissue work and you uncompensate them, you decompensate them, which can lead to other, you know, if it comes back or if if they, they get pain afterwards, maybe they, their, their neck is holding tight because their nervous system is putting them there rather than the muscles actually quote unquote being tight. Right. So just things to consider for these people that, that you're working with that aren't getting better, you know, that aren't moving as expected through through their progressions of getting better.
0: Right. And so then uh, going in through uh, the brain map, right? So how you move your body creates a map of your body in your brain. And so if there's certain uh, directions that you're not moving, right? So CrossFit's notorious for this, where they only move in that sagittal plane of motion. So then all of a sudden, if they have to hit that transverse, or frontal plane, their brain's like, wait, what are we doing? And then stuff locks up because then it's under threat. Right. And so um, I uh, uh, went on this epic hike up a mountain, like I'm not a hiker at all. And so, you know, but I've been doing like two years of FRC training, like right after I did FRC, then I was, went and did kin stretch. So I've been teaching a bunch of kin stretch classes, most especially once the pandemic started. That's how I started coaching people online is with like kin stretch stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, but the my whole point is as I was hiking up and down this mountain, there was tree roots and rocks and I was just rolling ankles like it was my job. But I never got injured because I had solutions for all of those different sudden movement patterns that I was going into which then goes back to the intrinsic and the extrinsic muscle groups like you were alluding to where it just it gives you your brain a complete map of your body and how to react to all these different unexpected situations
1: yeah totally and you know and to add on to that I'd say uh injuries occur in the transverse plane like always unless it's a crush injury it's always going to be the in the transverse plane it's going to be Mm -hmm. when the other because transverse is parallel to gravity the other two planes are perpendicular to gravity and Mm -hmm. so you move in the transverse plane and what that that means is it's pure muscle action to control motion and so you know i believe that injuries occur when forces are presented to the body that the body doesn't handle really efficiently as you're getting presented typically in that rotational plane that it's pure muscle to control and so yeah again gets into the importance of training reactivity and in training some of these intrinsic muscles and some of these intrinsic systems that are less cognitive based and more reactive based
0: right and so that's what i talk to people about when they come in well i threw my neck out well how often do you move your neck because most people just do these short little nods and then these short little shakes and that's it and then Ooh. so somebody yells their name and they jerk their head to the right. And like I said, their brain's just like, holy shit, and doesn't know what to do. And so grabs on real tight so they don't get an injury, right? And so right. that's just how my brain started to kind of wrap my head around the the human body like the best we can because, you know, Dr. Perry Nich- Nicholson has that quote, the human body's under no obligation to make sense to you. And like Ooh. what you've been saying this whole entire time, it's our best educated guess. So the more education you have, the better your guess can be. And sometimes these people get substantially better. Sometimes they get a little better. And each time we're just like, yeah, you don't have as much pain. So that's great. Like, indeed, Yeah,
1: yeah it's motivating to study. You know, those people, as you said, like, I, I wish I could get back the ones that I missed a little bit. Yeah. Or that I didn't get fully better. But I think, you know, for me, I at this point, I feel like if, if you're not getting better in like four or five sessions, you're out the door, I'm going to refer you on. It right. means I'm missing something, particularly if you're coming into me with a musculoskeletal issue. Right. Like if it's musculoskeletal, I feel like after doing this for as long as I have, I'm probably, you know, if you do what I'm telling you to do, and you're still not getting better, it's probably that we're missing something. And then it's probably not musculoskeletally driven. And it's probably one of these other systems that we need. and And then that, plays into having an understanding as well as you can. And also recognizing, I think, and being humble enough to say, okay, this is out of my bag here. I got to refer this out to somebody. And having those people that you can refer out to for which, you know, I've got my team of people to refer to for for any of the, the things that people come into to eat. the pain docs, the orthopedic docs, the, the dizzy docs, or the people that understand applying neurology a little bit more efficiently. And you know, we got to recognize when, when we're out of our league, when we can't right. help anyone.
0: And so that was a big um uh, that was a big thing for me with you know kind of going above my pay grade with all that education so that I can understand when it's above my pay grade and I can refer out to somebody you know yeah. like because I took uh uh Michael Shacklock's course that was the last one I took uh last November, and I took well, both, yeah I took both yeah. upper and lower quarter and well, so can I help you? Yes. Great. If I can't, then for sure, I'm going to send you out. That was one of those big ones where I was like, man, this is exactly how I understand if I can't help you or not. You know, And it's, uh, it's, I think that's incredibly important. And I think uh, being humble enough to refer out is incredibly important too, because um, especially in my small town of flagstaff arizona everybody's super competitive we only have a population of like 75,000 people and so everybody's like really protective of their clientele and so i think that that, that just people aren't getting the results that, that their client needs and they just hold on to them and keep trying and trying and trying instead of putting the client first and I think well, what that
1: happens idea. in the small town of Chicago that I live in as well, where there's 75,000 people like in three block radius. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and it's, and it's not any different, you know, and I think uh, that's the ego, human condition. Right. And that's the right. ego. But I think like recognizing that and recognizing when you can, it can't help somebody. I, that's, that's what's so important. And I think for me that gets to like, you know, what do you speak to, what I think about is changing the model in which we're looking at things and we're looking at the body. And, you know, I can only speak mostly to physical therapy for which Chicago's a certainly unique environment. We have a lot of large companies here. And, you know, I think some of the impetus for me to do some of the things that way that I do it, including not only my practice philosophy, but I also opened up my own facility last year in Chicago called the Movement Guild. Uh, but it, But it's all driven from that is wanting to have a complete picture and understand I, I just feel like it was all it wasn 't integrated and it 's not integrated a lot of like these approaches that we 're going to see these people that are protective of its mind and even if they 're not getting better but if, it, if there's no integration, there is disintegration and i 'm interested right. in like the thought process of of how can we all be on the same team and and subscribe to a consistent movement philosophy and For me, having rented and been in a number of facilities like my model i 've been a PT for 11, uh, fifteen years and on my own for almost twelve now and uh, renting spaces and training facilities. And I've been, you know, I had facilities in CrossFit and all the people working for me and whatnot. But my observation is that when we're in these training studios or in these, you know, exercise based facilities, uh, and you've got a chiropractor and you've got massage and you've got PT and you've got trainers and not everyone's always on the same movement page or same right. philosophy of consistencies. And so that was a big driver for me of opening my own spot is just to prove to myself that it can be done in a way that, that is integrated. That does include, you know, rehab, performance, recovery, all those type of pieces that, that anything that we're going to do really, I think can fall into rehab performance or recovery, depending on, you know, how we want to define these pieces. But trying to bring it into an integrated approach, I think that's like a big word for me is integration. And if it's not integrated, it is disintegrated. Right. And, and the way that I've learned disintegration is it expresses chaos and rigidity in some way. And mm-hmm. I find that true across biology, psychology, and sociology.
0: Right. And so um let's talk about opening your own spot because I think um I think there's a lot of fear behind that. And so I was talking to, you know, based especially based off of this whole pandemic which is just the most like if your business can survive this pandemic it can survive literally anything because um we opened our gym again on June 1st and then had to close it again 3 weeks later which was like Monday is Monday evening is when I got the news and just so all last week was like trying to put out fires, trying to get everybody back online again, trying to get everything all worked out and figured out. And it's just, you know, God, just such a disaster. But anyway, I was um uh, just based off of the complete lack of leadership, just in this country, just from our, from a governmental perspective, my whole thing from the very beginning of this pandemic was to be the best leader that I can for my sure. little community. And so, you know, I had a massage therapist coming up to me being like, Hey, should I go out on my own? I'm like, absolutely. Because like one of my massage therapist friends was making $35 an hour, but then the place that they're working for is charging 80 and so they're taking over 50% of their income. And I'm like, no, do it. Like, you could.
1: That should be flipped. <laughs> yeah,
0: you can work like half the time and yeah. make the same amount of money, you know? Right. And it's, uh, I think there's a lot of fear about starting your own facility, but I think you just got to, got to jump into it.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I agree. You know, I think you got to have your why and why you're doing it. In retrospect, I think I probably would have waited and gotten business acumen before I went and, and did it on my own. But after doing it for, Almost 12 years now, you know. I feel like I've, I've made the mistakes, and I feel like I've got a good system. Fortunately, I've got a very strong team around me, and I opened up the Movement Guild uh, 14 months ago. Yeah. So we actually celebrated a year anniversary in quarantine, which is not what we thought we were going to do. Right. Planning on having a taco truck and all that stuff, but soon. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm fortunate that it's it's allowed me to just sort of work towards my vision. I've got some distinct goals of what we're trying to do, and um, I'm fortunate that my wife runs the facility and she's the massage therapist and yoga instructor and she does kin stretch and you know, all that stuff as well. And, yeah. and so I've got a very strong team. We've got a great trainers with us. We've got uh, a, a, just a very good firm staff that allows us to sort of build. I think that, yeah, it takes, I kind of joke that at this point I'm unemployable. Like there's nobody that would want to hire me after working for myself for so long. I'm sure yeah. to a certain extent you can understand, but right. it allows, like, I feel like, uh, I've always wanted to do it my way. And I've always known what that way is. And and, and it, what feels right and doesn't feel right. And I just feel that I'm able to provide the service that I want and the way that I want. And I think that's one of the things that makes uh, the experience of coming to see us at the movement field a little bit different is it all is individualized. It all is integrated. We recognize this idea of uh, rehab performance and recovery. And there's a paradigm and you might not even know what you're in, but you're, still moving around. And so, right. And so I, I I love it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so that's a, one of, it's a blessing and a curse going to all these different education courses because you get to meet all these like-minded people that are all on the same page as you, because if they weren't, then they wouldn't be taking that particular course. Right. And, and then you start to meet all these chiropractors and all these PTs and, and all these other therapists. And I remember when I got introduced to muscle testing I was uh, taking uh, DNS exercise two in um, Denver and I met this guy. His name is Mitch Peretz and he's been a chiropractor for uh, 40 years. And I was telling him about this back injury that I had like five years prior and he muscle tested me for an hour and was doing like dry needling stuff and then popped one vertebrae in my neck and then my back pain went away. And I was like, what are all these other chiropractors doing? Because they're not doing this. And, you know, and it's like, because I remember when I injured my back, I went to the chiropractor and I was like, this is what happened to my back. And then he started like, popping my neck. And I'm like, no, I can't walk. And you need to fix this because I, I need to be able to function, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started to understand that there was like different levels to all this stuff and and it's all about the effort that you put in and you know i get clients from pts all the time that just kind of oh you have piriformis syndrome okay so we're going to go through this list of exercises right 12 visits and it didn't work but you're out of insurance visits anyway so i'll see you later and I'm
1: yeah. just, well, And but then you know you got to add to that well what weren't you doing or why you know what did right. you do and this is yeah yeah uh, so instead oh. of
0: it's just like and you know you're you're i have to tell massage therapists all, this all the time too it's okay to take a step back from the person reset and then ask yourself okay what's happening here like it's not going to be awkward you just have to tell your client hey i'm gonna need, i need a minute because this is I need to think about this, and they'll just be like, "Okay." And then, you know, that's, uh, you know, I have all the different books that I've referenced over the years, so I can like look through all the books and be like, "Okay, let's try this out." Oh, that worked. Okay, awesome. You know what I mean? And so, it's just really important to just just understand and learn as much as possible, even if it's uh, like the remedial information, like you were saying with the neurology stuff.
1: I think I agree and and I think that taking a step back you hit something on the head there and, and for me like the the 10 seconds you take in front of somebody to say hold on let me think about this for a second is not the 2 minutes it seems like in your head right and I think that that the person you're working with will really respect that and there's like more and more like I feel comfortable like taking that time and really thinking it out and 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 testing thing. Uh, And that's important to do. And I think the, I came to muscle testing also from a gentleman in Denver, a good friend, Nick Studholm, who's a chiropractor. And he's like, I knew him through the Gray Institute. He did the gift program a year or two before I did and we met and, and that sort of set me on my journey with, with muscle testing is, is watching him do it and talking it through and understanding and then i you know took some courses and took some other courses and read and i've been fortunate to work with a lot of just one-on-one with a lot of really good muscle testers and there is no one way that's the kind of the interesting thing about muscle testing is that quantum physics gets involved in belief and as long as you're kind of setting the the parameters for yourself some of it will work to a certain extent and but it's not for everyone, you know, it's not for everyone because the belief systems really play into it. And you can't deny that your nervous systems are interlocking. So when I touch you, our nervous systems are interlocking. Or like even from the idea of neurology and the, and the mirror neurons in your prefrontal cortex, like you just right. – there's no denying these pieces. So those that – and some people are so wound up you can't muscle test them because everything is just jacked, right? right. And you, you referenced that in terms of muscle testing to have an idea as to kind of the readiness of the nervous system. And I think that um, – So it's not for everyone, but I think it's a good, even if you don't like, I think that the concepts can be applied even in like neurology and applying neurology and looking at some of these um, bedside neurological exams. I mean, just the thought process of muscle testing can be really important. And I had, I had trouble with muscle testing in the beginning. I really did for a few reasons, including, I don't believe in muscles. And I always talk about like the muscles are a man-made construct and the body knows motion and not muscles. So why would I be testing a muscle when I don't believe in them anyway. And the way that I've rationalized it to myself is that really what I'm doing is I'm testing a region of the brain that I'm calling this specific muscle. And I'm testing that region of the brain and its ability to find a contraction quickly and efficiently by applying a perpendicular line of force to the line of pull of that tissue. and call it what you want and and i've really tried we talk about this in the book i really just try to like simplify because there's so many different ways to do it it's all founded on the same thing i think about yoga i think about pilates muscle testing falls into that because it's all based on like the same thought by the same guy and it's like who took what and claimed it as their own right in terms of like creating the package that might be a three or four letter certification you know
0: right and so you know for for me you know that 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 book uh, by Yuval Noah Harari, Sapiens. That's the one where I kind of really started to understand that. And luckily, I took FRC kind of at the same time because that's what Dr. Spina talks about.
1: Talks a lot about it, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, just it's all the same stuff. And then, you know, Dr. Perry, like I took a lot. I just love the way that guy teaches, you know, just uh, coming from
1: very knowledgeable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Coming from like a community college where everybody's like, ho hum, and, you know, like, Terry's just like yelling at you because he's so excited about that thing. You know, it's super awesome. But you know, him saying, um, uh, the body doesn't think in muscles, it thinks in movement. And so, you know, when they're talking about release the facilitated and then activate the inhibited, your brain doesn't think like that. It doesn't function like that. So what we're trying to do is get them to move better. And so the way that I look at, like I uh, said earlier, when I'm muscle testing somebody, does the brain know how to do this? Yes or no. And if it doesn't, how do we figure out how to get that to do that? And then how do we integrate movement within that so that we can solidify the brain's understanding of what it's supposed to be doing in this
1: pattern, right? And so... you plumbed it really well. Yeah, that's exactly right.
0: And so that's just how my brain works. And then, you know, like once you go into like the inflammation aspect of everything, like, you know, the... Uh, taking the functional health solutions with uh, Dr. Perry and uh, Stuart Galebsi and understanding that inflammation can either inhibit or facilitate muscles. You can't just think about this one thing. Well, it locked, so it works. Okay. But does it, you know, and that's where, um, you know, Thomas Wells is on top of that too. And it's just like, so we go into all this complicated stuff, but then, we just come back down to the simple like, questions. Are they under threat, yes or no? Is that working, yes or no? And how do we get what we want based off of that information?
1: Right, and, and there's not only one way to get that information. I mean, there's right. not only one way, and the reality is just try to like, change the input to change the output. I, I really think then it just becomes about understanding the various inputs and to see which one is the most efficient one to change if pain is an output. Absolutely. And I think, you know, what, what, what I think about as I hear you talk is like, like me, Jesse. you've learned from a lot of people that are not within your profession. And I think that's right. one of the things that's, that's differentiated myself. And it seems like you as well, is that most of the people that I've learned from are not PTs. They're most of them chiropractors and massage therapists and, and exercise physiologists and strength coaches more. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I've learned some for some, from some really great PTs, Right. but I think that just understanding that there's not any one way to do it in these different lenses, I think is that's so important to do and get out of your little box.
0: Right. And just create your own thing because that's allowed. You don't have to be, you know, like the, as long
1: as you're anchoring to a good thought process that can right. is consistent across the board. Yeah, right. Exactly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right on. This was a great conversation. I'm, f- I'm super pumped. It was yeah, kind yeah, of tumultuous getting here, but I'm we, glad we it got happen. it
1: done. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we did. Thank you again for having me on here.
0: Absolutely. So where can people find you? Where can people find your book?
1: Uh, what's yeah this? the book is called foundations of Movement: a brain-based musculoskeletal approach uh you can find it on amazon there's paperback and, and also kindle version you can find it on my website uh got to adam wolf pt and then the movement guild chicago so those are the places you can find it instagram i adam wolf pt so uh yeah, that's where you can find me. And uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on here, Jesse. Thank you Absolutely. again. Absolutely, it
0: was a great conversation. Thank you again, and we'll do this again soon.
1: Hope so. Thanks again. Take care. All right, my